sending your son to break the power of sin in our lives. We know sin is a terrible taskmaster and that the world is enslaved to it and yet we have been set free. And so now in that freedom that we have right now, we want to consider what you've made us to be and even what we will be in the future when we're in heaven, when we see your Son with our own eyes. So help us as we consider that this morning. Help us as we consider also the broken power of sin. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I noticed someone left me a water cup. Is this for me or does some, one of you drink this, worship team? Are you feeling okay? Oh boy. All right. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> okay. Um, this fall, uh, I always see new faces in church, which is very encouraging. Uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to speak to the new faces for a second, if, that, if that's you. Uh, first of all, I don't say it enough, but there is a connection card in the seat in front of you. Uh, if you'd like to fill that out, let us know you're here. That'd be awesome. The other thing I'd like to tell you, though, which is, which is kind of cool, we do a coffee time, like after the service. So if you head downstairs, you can grab a cup of coffee or drink a water if you're like me, sorry, um, and, and just hang out with some people. And then if you get really brave, we'd love you to take the next step and stay for cross-training, which is our sermon discussion time. We talk about the sermon right here in this room at 1045. These are great steps to get more connected here, more known. It's easy to come in here and, and, and then walk out and then nobody knows you. But, but you want to be known. You want people to be able to greet you, remember your name. And those are good steps to get there. Um, I can't promise anything, but it's one of those things where I could almost guarantee someone will catch you during coffee hour. or It's not even an hour, but, but the coffee time downstairs if you go down there. Chances are someone will find you if you want to be found. Okay? All right. Um, the other thing that uh, strikes me too is um, I've gotten, I've received some uh, emails from people that visit, you know, and that's always an awesome thing for people to give feedback, like what they're getting, what they're receiving. Somebody sent Christy a, a CD. It was really fun, you know. Um, sometimes I get comments that are anonymous, like you don't sign your name. I don't pay attention to those. I'm just, I'm, I know a little awkward, okay. But um, I crumple them up and I throw them away. I, I want to, if I get feedback, I want to be in relationship with the person giving me the feedback. I want to be able to sit down with you and talk or call you on the phone and say, hey, tell me more about this. Or if you didn't think this went right, let me tell you, here's why we do it the way we do it. But I can't have a conversation if, I, if it's only one way. So I, I hope you didn't feel like I was offending or anything by the throwing away thing. But I can't do anything with it if it's just a piece of paper, okay? So there you go. Uh, but I do recognize there's a lot of new faces here, and that's so exciting, and we want to know who you are and be in relationship with you. That's really the point. So uh, let us know. That'd be great. Okay, now I feel a little bit awkward. Let's jump into the Word, all right? Yikes. I thought that was going to be funny, but I don't think it came out as funny. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would you go to First John 3? Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 
many of you know this this passage really well. And as I was studying and reading and reading what other preachers have felt when they read this passage, I was really encouraged that I'm not the only one that feels like a totally worthless person to describe what this passage means. Uh, and I think you'll see it in a second that, you know, how do you add to this? You can't. How do you take away? Well, I could probably do that by not doing a good job. But here it is. 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. We are in a series on heaven. Maybe you think when you read this, what's this saying about heaven? Uh, We'll get to that. Uh, Okay, so first of all, John wrote this. I mean, we need to cover that. Who who was John? Who's this guy named John? Well, John wrote the Gospel of John that that we love. One of the most famous verses is John 3.16, For God to love the world. John wrote about us being born again in John chapter 3. So that, that, that theme is in here too. Uh, but remember, John is one of the twelve apostles that Jesus handpicked, and he's also called the disciple Jesus loved. John and Jesus had this especially close relationship. Now, Jesus was close with all twelve, but there was three, Peter, James, and John, that he was a little closer to. John was the son of Zebedee. Uh, at this point, John is writing to the churches. He wrote this letter. We call it First John. Later in his life, maybe 10 to 15 years later, maybe less, he wrote a book called Revelation, where Jesus revealed the end times to him and revealed some things in the current times to him. So, so John saw a lot. John experienced a lot. And, and here's what he's saying today. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we shall be called children of God. Some of you right now, the song is going through your head, right? Didn't it? Behold what manner of love. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. All right, all right, all right. Um, Love that song. Grew up up singing that song. Uh, You know the word manner? Manner, behold what manner of love. Well, in the NIV, they translate manner as great. How great is the love of God, that, that He would call you a child of God. You know what the word manner is? Can we pull the, the Greek work up there, uh, Jim? There it is. Potipos. Potipos. Maybe, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I, I was totally not familiar with this Greek word. This was like totally like, where did that come from? Never even heard of this word. And then I looked it up and it was like, well, no wonder I never heard of it. Uh, it means, from what country? From what country? So, so it's saying, from what country is this amazing love of God that He would call you a child of His? Now, if that, that, that ought to be shocking, and here's why it's shocking. If you want to look at verse 10, you can see why it's shocking. Chapter 3.10. This is how we know we're children of, who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. You know, just stop right there. There's children of God and children of the devil and we get to be moved from being children of the devil to being children of God. We, we, we've been, like I said, 
how do you describe how amazing this is? And John uses this word, potipas, from what country? Like, like if you go to a different country, you're going to see different customs, different cultural ways of doing things, different language, uh, all sorts of things that are different. And sometimes we even say there's culture shock when people come over here or when you go over somewhere else because you're just not used to how they do it. You don't think like them. You don't talk like them. You don't act like them. And it's so foreign to you. And that's the word John picks to describe God's love for us. There's nothing like it. And it occurs to me that in our world today, there's a lot of people in the world, and and I'm not... I'm not calling them children of the devil. God is calling them children of the devil. I'm not not doing that. But but there's people that are children of the devil. They're in the world. I usually try to like to soften that. They're in the world. And and they're talking about, you know, Christian love and what we're supposed to be like. And and it's like, I'm telling you, you they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue about what this love is like. We can barely grasp it. We can barely grasp it. And if you think you've grasped it, chances are you're probably not even living it out. If you think you got it, you probably don't got it. But if you stand in awe of this, like, what is this from? This is totally foreign. But this is what I get. How great. What country is the love that God has lavished, the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God? And that's what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it did not know Him. See, here, here's the facts. Um, you, you may be outed as a Christian where you work. Or people may just know you go to church. And, and maybe you're vocal about it or maybe you barely say a word about it. But you may, people may know you're a Christian, but they do not understand that you're a child of God. They don't truly understand what that means. And John says it's because he didn't understand who Jesus was. I mean, John was there. I mean, John's like, I know. He was crucified. They killed him. They put nails in his hands and feet. You don't do that to God. You never treat God like that. And if people understood that you all that believe in him are children of God, if they knew, they would be in awe of what God has made you. They'd want to be one of those children. See, sometimes the church wants to just kind of fit in and we want a good report. We want want the culture to give us an A+. But the culture didn't give Jesus an A+, so I don't know if we're going to get an A+. So I'm all about like hearing what do people think about the church, but I'm going to look at that with critical eyes. You know, I'm going to think about that. that Is that a just concern or an unjust concern? You know, what are they trying to tell me? Because we're children of God. And God is forming us. And, and, and that's who we are. Now, what are children of God? And I think this is the main point we're going we're to talk about this morning. Children of God are like the Son of God. Children of God are like the Son of God. I, I think that's the main point here. Well, when he says the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him, he's making a connection between us and Jesus. Children of God are like the Son of God. Now, I didn't say children of God are the Son of God. That, that, that would be like cultish. You know, if, if you're a God, that's not right. But we are like the Son of God. 
We are like Jesus. Children of God are like the Son of God. Now, um, this is a series on heaven. And so I want to take this into heavenly thoughts really fast here, okay? Um, Here's the question I've got then. What are children of God like in the next life? What are children of God like in heaven? I mean, we've said that here we may, we may look different but to us, but the world kind of looks at us and they don't know we're children of God. I mean, we don't glow, right? You think about Moses and his face was like glowing, you know? If you started glowing at work, they think you were like irradiated and call like the... Who do you call if someone has radiation poisoning? I, I don't know, but, but, but we don't glow. You know, we look normal. So we go to church and people think we're weird, but, that, but that's whatever. What are we going to be if in this life... Sometimes we blend in or people don't understand who we are. People get it all wrong. What are we going to be like in the next life? When, when, when all of it's unveiled and you get a new body, what's that going to be like as a child of God? Well, John wants to talk about that with us. So here it is again. Um, I'm going to give, do the ESV for a little bit here. Here's the ESV in verse 2, uh, John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Okay? Let's pick that apart a little bit. We are God's children now, and what we will be has not appeared. So number one, I love this. I love that John said this. We don't know the full extent of our resurrection life. We don't even know the full extent of what a child of God is in heaven. John said this. You know, the Apostle John, the guy that hung out with Jesus, the guy that wrote Revelation, he said, we don't even know. So, I have and you have, and if you stay for cross-training, you know this is true, we have a lot of questions about what life will be like in heaven. That's why we're reading Alcorn's book on heaven. It really opens your imagination up. There's some speculation in there, you know. Uh, because cause we, can, we can try to figure out what it's like, but we're not there yet. We don't know fully. And John's saying, that's me. I don't know. I can't tell you what we'll fully be like. We have questions. We don't have answers for all these things. I think it's fine to ask the questions. I, I think it's kind of fun sometimes, you know, because we've asked a lot of things in cross-training like, will we eat meat? Will we be hunting? That touches on some touchy areas, right? You know, I mean, that's, will you hunt? I don't know. Will will you ever need to take a nap? I I don't know. Will you be able to fly? I I, I don't. I don't know. But it's kind of fun to think about, isn't it? Will will desserts be calorie-free? I mean, these are the questions we all want to know. You know? uh, But I don't let what we don't know Overwhelm what we do know. Don't let what we don't know kind of be like. Let me give you. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. It's okay to ask all these questions and wonder. Like, we're going to, are we going to play football? Like Audio Adrenaline said in that song. You know, uh, I wonder. I, I wonder. But at the same time, none of those wonderings. I'm not going to let them dull my desire to be in that place with Jesus in that new body. You know what I mean? Don't let those things dull 
your excitement just because you don't know how it's going to go down. Right? Because John said, there's some things we don't know, but I still want to be there. I still love that place, and I still want to be with Jesus. Don't let it dull it. Um, here's one that comes up frequently, and I, I know there's kids amongst us, so I'm going to say it like this. Some, of, some people have wondered about marital intimacy in heaven. What is that like? Now, Jesus talked about that, and, and I'm not going to take you there for, for the sake of time, but, but Jesus talked about this in Luke 20. You can write that down and look at it yourself. But uh, at one point, a group of religious people called the Sadducees comes to Jesus, and they said, look, a woman's married to a guy, he dies, and then she remarries the brother, just like the law says. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, if, if the husband dies, you marry the brother, and it continues the family line. So they said, what if the brother dies, and then she marries the next brother, and he dies, marries the next brother, and he dies, and down the line. By the seventh guy, I'm like, no, I'm not going to marry her. It's not going to happen. Forget it. She's either poisoning people, or I, I don't know. I don't know. But that's not their point. That's not the point. The woman's not poisoning husbands. You know, They just die. But the Sadducees, who don't even believe in a resurrection, they don't even believe in this idea of having a new body, uh, they say to Jesus, in the resurrection, which is a dumb question because they don't believe in it, uh, whose husband will she be in the next life? And Jesus says, we're going to be like the angels. There's neither marrying nor giving in marriage. We're going to be like angels. So there is a marriage in heaven. That's us and Jesus. Marriage is a picture of us and Jesus. We're going to be together, but we're not going to be married to our spouses. Will, will we remember that we were married to them in this life? I think absolutely we'll remember. We'll get that relationship with them forever. And that brings me back to the question of marital intimacy. Will it be in heaven? I think, based on that passage, we can say no, there won't be that marital intimacy in heaven. Now, C.S. Lewis also had a great quote about this, and I just want to, I just want to put it out there to you because he's brilliant, and, and I would never think thoughts like this, but he's awesome. He said, um, when you think about the, the, one of the highest joys on earth, we think of that marital intimacy. But think about a little boy who's finding out about marital intimacy between a husband and a wife, and, and the first thing he says is, is there chocolate involved during that marital intimacy? And, and, and the reason he says, is there chocolate involved, is because to him... The highest form of bodily pleasure is chocolate. You get it? He's a, he's a boy. He doesn't understand in an adult way what we know about that. So there's chocolate. And why won't there be chocolate involved? And, and C.S. Lewis's point is this. When we get to heaven, we'll be at a higher form of joy that will disclude the joys of this earth. You know, a marital intimacy won't be an issue because we're at a different level. It's like trying to bring chocolate into it. No, you don't do that. You just don't do that. His quote's much more brilliant, but I wanted to kind of make it family-friendly. Anyway, you understand what I'm saying. Sorry. Uh, just look up C.S. Lewis and uh, careful what you Google, but, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Secondly, all right, so it, there's a lot of things we don't know that's okay. Don't let it dull the edge off of your uh, desire to be with Jesus. Don't go down that road. That's not a good road to go down. Number two, uh, we do know that we will experience a resurrection life like Jesus is. Remember, children of God are like the Son of God. There's the connection between us and Jesus. We're not going to be Jesus. 
We're going to be like Jesus. We're going to experience a resurrection life like Jesus. This is the verse again. Oh, I'll bring that up. Here we are. Um, end of verse 2. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. We shall be like Jesus. There's the word. I took it right out of that verse. We're gonna, so children of God are like the Son of God. In fact, we're going to be more like Him than we are now when we get there. We're going to experience a resurrection life like Jesus's. Okay. Um, think for a minute then about Jesus's resurrection appearances. Now, keep in mind, I just want to point this out to you again. John, the Apostle John who wrote this, he saw Jesus. When Jesus was risen from the dead, he saw him. And even then he realized he didn't understand fully what we're going to be. But we do have glimpses of what Jesus was like after the resurrection. Can you imagine that six weeks? Like, like, like you see your Lord, your Master, your Rabbi die on a cross. You see him tortured. And he's put in the tomb. And then you start hearing reports that he's alive, that he's making appearances different places. Imagine being Mary, going to the tomb and seeing it empty and you're crying. And it's in the early morning, so it's kind of dark out, and there's this guy standing over here. And you just figure he's the gardener. But somebody took his body. Maybe the gardener has some information. And you turn to the gardener. Tell me where they took him. And again, it's still dark out, and, and, and you don't know what's going on. And then there's one word that's said by the gardener. Mary. And, 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 and you, know, you know, if you're a kid, and, and your dad says, Niall, you know, oh man, you know, that's his voice, right? Or, or, or you know if you get a phone call, and you don't even know who it is, and you pick it up, and you hear your wife's voice, and you know, hopefully it's not Niall, you know, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, but, but you hear the voice, and you know it's them. And, and Mary only had to hear the sound of Jesus' voice, and she knew it was him. Just, just his voice. I mean, you're, you're going you're gonna to be with your family of God, and, and you're going to be able to talk and, and hear that, that voice again. Maybe the voice of your mom or dad that have been dead for a while, your grandparents, and you miss them, and you're going to be able to hear their voice. If they're a believer, you're going to hear their voice again. Awesome. And you think about during that six weeks how exciting it would be because it's kind of like you're just doing life, and Jesus just shows up in different places, you know? He, he, behind closed doors, He shows up, and, and you can touch Him. Again, there's no, like, ghosts in, the final de- in your final destination of heaven, that you're not a ghost. You have a physical body. You're going to be able to hug people. Jesus said, you can touch me. It was physical. In fact, Jesus said, I'm not a ghost. You know, like, apparently, they struggled with the same thing we struggle with. If you die, you must just be, like, out of the body and immaterial. And Jesus is saying, you get a body. You're going to get a body like mine, is what he's saying. You get to hug people. You also notice that Jesus could always prove his identity. You, you ever notice that? I mean, like, who is this guy? You know, and they're not, they're not sure at first, you know. Cause, and, and I always wonder, like, does that mean Jesus looked a little different? I, I'm not sure, but Jesus could always prove his identity. He could always say, look, scars. 
You know how many people had scars from crucifixion that were walking around back then? Zero. Zero. Nobody got off a cross and could say, hey, check this out, I made it. You know, you can't do that. It doesn't work. You die. The Romans were professionals. They killed you. Um, and if you didn't die right away, they made sure you would die. They'd break your legs. and you know, They made sure. Jesus could always prove his identity. And the same will be with you. I'm Niall. You're you. And you can say, hey, it's me. And you will know it's true. That's them. Jesus ate, sat down on a beach, called the disciples over, sat down with his friends and had breakfast. Can you imagine having breakfast with a friend you haven't seen in years and they're there with you, eating with you? Can you imagine eating at the bridal feast, the the wedding supper of the Lamb? Who are you going to sit next to? What are you going to talk about? What's Jesus going to say during that feast? Amazing. Physical relationships, not broken, not conflicted, not marked by sin. Can you imagine? Um, As far as I can see in Revelation, I always see nations talked about in Revelation. Nations bring their their wealth into the the city of New Jerusalem. I mean, it kind of seems like we're going to bear our cultural markings. You know, Jesus still looked like a Jewish man. And you'll still look like whoever you are. Can you imagine seeing and experiencing other customs, people from other backgrounds, and celebrating that and not feeling whatever that culture shock thing is that we get to feel in this life? But being able to say, forget that. I mean, you could do that in this life too. I'd encourage it. But imagine not being stopped by that. Can you imagine seeing a friend that you had a big conflict with in this life and that conflict is no longer between you? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine seeing someone else's reward from Jesus and not feeling even a hint of jealousy but only love? Can you imagine relationships completely freed from sin? That's the life we're going to have. That's the life waiting for us, that Jesus is the first one to experience. We're going to experience a resurrection life like Jesus's. Now, um, thirdly, um, oh, one more thing I'll say about that. You also notice, some people wonder about memory. I forgot to talk about memory. Uh, will we remember the things in this life? I, I really think so. Jesus remembered his crucifixion. But there is no PTSD. You know, you know what I mean? The, 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 there's, you know how he, the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus got through the agony, the torment, the trauma of the cross, but on the other side was joy. The, the, there's no PTSD. There's no, he remembered what happened, but it's not holding him back at all. And so I believe, I, I think I can say with some assurance that we'll remember this life and its details, but none of it will hold us back. There's only joy. We're not held back at all. Number three, I love this. Seeing Jesus enables us to be like Jesus. Boy, this one smacked me in the face, and I was kind of thinking about it like, how do I say this? Like, can I say it like that? Does that make sense? Uh, check this out. Um, this, is, this is verse two again. Uh, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The for there is, you could translate because, 
because we shall see him as he is. So children of God are like the Son of God. And we're going to be made like Jesus because we're going to see him like he is. So let's talk for a second about how we know we're going to be like Jesus. Let me take you on a little tour of Scripture. Can we get Romans up first? Uh, This is Paul saying, For those he foreknew, God also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You're the many brothers. And God wants to form you to be like Jesus. Next verse. Uh, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, 49. We bore Adam's image. We're all sinners. Thank you, Adam. But but we bear that image. But we're also going to bear Jesus' image, the man from heaven. We're going to be children of God to be made like him. Next verse. Here's here's the one that just about knocked me over. Um, I know this verse, but I was thinking about it with John, and I was like, oh, man. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face... Now, you've got to think about Moses, right? If you go back to the Old Testament, remember Moses went up on the mountain with God. When, when Moses would meet with God, he would come down and his face would shine. His face would shine literally from the glory that he experienced. So, so uh, he had to put a veil over his face. Okay? Now this says, we have an unveiled face, beholding, you see that? Seeing the sight, seeing the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Now, here's my question about this verse. What are we seeing in this life that's transforming us? What are you seeing? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen the Father? Have you seen the Holy Spirit? What did you see that makes your face shine with glory? What is that? That's what I was asking myself this week. Like, what is it? What am I looking at here? Um, this passage, 2 Corinthians 3, is all about how Moses had the ministry of the law, and now the Spirit has the ministry of the gospel. The ministry of the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. The ministry of the law is uh, don't break these commands or you're going to die. You know, Don't break the commands. The new covenant, though, the ministry of Jesus and, and the Spirit is I'm going to die to pay for all your mistakes. Now you can have forgiveness. And you're going to have a new resurrected life like me. That's the new ministry. So here it is. I think the best way to answer that question, of what do, we, what do we see in this life that makes it so glorious, that transforms us, is the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus died for you and rose from the dead. When you look at that, when you can close your eyes and see in your mind's eye Jesus dying for you and know that that's your Savior, your Lord, you love Him, that transforms you. You can see it. You're beholding it. Now back to John. Now I said all that to say this. Um, end of verse 2. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So let's go back to point number 3. Seeing Jesus enables us to be like Jesus. Children of God are like the Son of God. Seeing Jesus enables us to be like... Now, I wrestled with this for a little bit because it's like, what does that mean? Uh, Does it mean that... Is it talking about the order? Like Jesus comes first and then we get to be like Him. He has to return then we get to be like Him. It could be order. 
or, or it could be uh, telling us the reason we're the children of God, because Jesus is going to come back and we're going to see him, so you're children of God. But I think, taking it as, as clearly as I think we can, if I see Jesus, I get to be like Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, right, we see in a mirror dimly. So you think about looking at your reflection in a spoon. That's how you see Jesus now. It's like in a spoon. It's like, what? You know, I, I can't see very well. But imagine seeing Jesus clearly reflected in a mirror. You're seeing him. Uh, how about this? How about this analogy that instead, when, when, uh, when I was a kid, they had that commercial to, to be like Michael Jordan. It was be like Mike. Remember that? I, I can hear it in my head, right? And, and when, when they sang about being like Mike, what they want you to do is go out and drink Gatorade. You know, I can do that. I can go out and get Gatorade and drink it and be like Mike. But can I be like him on the basketball court? No, I can't. I don't care how many Bulls games I watched, I will never be like him. Seeing him doesn't enable me to be like him. I just can't. Sometimes I listen to young pastors uh, preach. Maybe I'm one of those, but, um, but I, I listen to young pastors preach, and sometimes I can even, I can even tell them like who they've been listening to on the internet because they sound like that famous person. You know what I mean? You know, I heard this one guy. I was in Minneapolis one time for a missions trip, and I heard this young guy. He was still in college. He was preaching, and I'm like, "You sound like John Piper. You sound just like him." In fact, I think you quoted him here and didn't didn't mention him. Anyway, um, I didn't say that, but he sounded just like him. And I thought, "You're listening to him. You're trying to emulate a good preacher. You're trying to imitate him, and that, that that's great. That's wonderful." Seeing Jesus is a transforming experience. That, that's what I'm saying. When you see the glory of Jesus, His brightness, His beauty, when you see that for real, you're going to be transformed to be like Him. Seeing Him enables you to be like Him. Right now you're looking in a mirror dimly. You're looking in a, a piece of metal that you're trying to see. When you see Him face to face, it's going to change you. I think, uh, this wasn't one of my main points, but I, I hope that you feel then your time spent in the Bible is not wasted. Because as you see Jesus in the Bible, you're being transformed to be more like him. And the, the, the reverse is true. If you don't spend time in your Bible, you're not being transformed as much to be like him. I mean, he, he can still do his work. I'm not saying he's bound, but... Your time in the Word is a transformational experience. Seeing Jesus there transforms you. I, I can't say anything else. I mean, that's what this verse teaches. We're being transformed because we see Him. Finally, application. Uh, what do we do with all this? So, so firstly, I would say spend time in your Bible. Spend time with Jesus, please. But what, what would John say about children of God, what should they do now? Children of God are like the Son of God. So what? Uh, number four, and finally. Children of God have an amazing motivation to purify themselves. To purify themselves. That's verse three. It says, everyone who has this hope, what hope? The hope of being like Jesus. The hope of seeing Him and being transformed in that moment. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as he is pure. As Jesus is pure, I want to be like that. Seeing Jesus is a transformational experience. I want more of that. Uh, 
And then, I, and then I saw this. That this is why you read the verses around the verse you're studying. You, know, you read the chapters. You might even read the whole book when you're studying for just a few verses. Uh, look at verse uh, 28 of chapter 2. Just a few verses behind. Check this out. Um, where am I at? Is, yeah, there it is. Um, chapter 2, verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. I want to be an unashamed child when Jesus comes back. I don't want to be ashamed when I see him. When I see him, I'm going to be made like him. And for some of us, you have further to go than others. That, that's not a statement of guilt. I'm not trying to guilt you all now. But some of you really want to look like Jesus now. So keep purifying yourself. Keep living for Christ. Keep living righteously. Keep going. Because when you see him, he's going to finish the work that he started in you. He that began a good work, right, will bring it to completion. That's when you see him. I know that I'm going to have a long ways to go. When I see him, he's going to finish the work. But I want to get as far as I can in this life with the Spirit's help to look like him. That's an awesome motivation. I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed when I see him and say, oh man, there was so much, so much more that I could have pursued, but I didn't pursue. I want to be pure as he is pure. I want to be righteous. I want to live for eternal things instead of earthly things. That's my challenge to you today. Don't be ashamed at his coming. Maybe you've heard all this and you're saying, I haven't even taken the first step yet. I don't know Jesus yet. He's not my Savior yet. Can I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes now at the church that is, everyone? We're talking about looking forward to seeing Jesus, but if you don't know Jesus yet, that's a great decision to make today. Maybe today Jesus is talking to you and he wants you to respond to him. We've said the good news, the thing that you see in your mind's eye when you close your eyes, is that Jesus has died on the cross for your sins. He paid for what you've done. So you should be sorry about that. Sorry for your sins. And then you should give your life to Him. Ask for His forgiveness. And in seeing that, let Him change you forever. If you'd like to respond today, would you just look up at me for a moment? If, if today's your day and, and you want to respond. All right. Anybody? I'll wait for another moment. All right. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for those who may be considering right now what you say in your word. Don't let the gospel... Um, be forgotten, be left aside. I pray that you would do your transforming work and continue to call people into a relationship with you. And for the rest of us, I pray that we would long for your coming. Not because we know exactly what we're going to be made into, but we know enough and that we know we will be like you. Oh, Jesus, come in your name. Amen.